threw me off. I was waiting for a song. <laughs> Everybody doing all right this morning? I'm just trying to make sure everybody's alive and well. It's a beautiful day. God is still on the throne. Amen. And for all the mothers in the house, God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Grateful for our mothers because without our mothers, we wouldn't be here. Amen. Amen. So, we will get on with our lesson, continuing. I really love how God has put everything so perfectly together for us, the way he has prepared everything. Sometimes we don't get it all right away. If you know when you first received the Holy Ghost, when you first came to the knowledge of the truth, you didn't get everything. Amen? So remembering that and knowing that, you have to be sensitive to when you're talking to other folks who don't have the knowledge of the truth. Amen? Because they don't have it either. And they have to come to a point of maturity, but... The Bible says, with loving kindness have I, right? And once you're there, you're going to reciprocate that love by continuing the relationship. And by continuing that relationship, you will continue to develop and grow. And as you develop and grow, you will mature in the things of God, which means that you will go to another level in the things of God. Amen? Because the more you engage him and pursue him... He's going to continue to open up your understanding about him so you know who you are connecting with. Amen. So that's pretty awesome. All right. So we have to continue that, but we've got to be mindful when we're engaging other folks because God has brought us from some place where we used to be to where we are now. Thank God for that. And I'm so glad for it. Every time I look in his word and. You know, I just get more and more. And every time you hear a message and you hear some lesson, you hear teaching, is it's, it's really awesome how much you can get from the Word of God. And it doesn't change his message. But it's awesome how many ways you can apply that same message to the souls of men in this life. So thank God for that. Amen. Did you know that you're not here by mistake? If you were listening to the statement I made a couple weeks ago, I pointed that out. You are not here by a mistake. So if you have some lingering doubt, I am letting you know you're not here by mistake. Nothing is done out of a mistake when you're talking about where you are positioned in life. You are either there because you put yourself there. Or you're there because something influenced you to be there. But ultimately, who's making a decision? I was thinking when I walked into the 
church today, I says, you know, normally when someone invites you, you know, to their house, especially if you've never been, but if you've been before, somebody invites you to their house, you kind of see that as something that's special, right? Something that stands out. But guess what? Every time you come in here is because God has invited you to come to his house. Isn't that special? He says, hey, I want you to come and commune with me. Come and dine with me. Ain't that what the scriptures say? So every opportunity, he's inviting us, which is why it's so important. And this is something, again, it's just, you know, more and more as I get into it, I just keep getting more out of it. But he's like, hey, so that means every time the doors open, I'm inviting you to come commune with me. So I thought that was pretty awesome. If God is inviting me to come into his house to commune with him, why would I reject that? So let's get into this. Because it had nothing to do with my lesson. But it's just something that hit me this morning. So so we're continuing. And we talked about the last two points that we brought out um, was the beginning. And then we talked about the fall of man. Right? Not hard to understand. Uh, from For those of us who have been in church for a while, we've heard the stories many times over. Uh, a lot of the points that were brought out is nothing new, but just a refreshing, a refresher. Uh, the biggest point being that we are in the position we are in today because of our own decision. It wasn't God's doing. God's perfect plan for us, were for us to remain in the condition that we were in before. But because of our own choice, God giving us the ability to make a choice, to choose him, giving us the opportunity to choose him or to not choose him. Those are the only two options. To choose him or to not choose him, we were irresponsible in our decision making. We made the wrong choice and thus we invoked the consequence of making the wrong choice. Sin was the act of making the wrong choice or making a choice against God, putting us in the position that we are in today. And as a result, we are suffering the consequence of the choice we made way back when. So it falls on us. Amen. The act of disobedience introduced sin into the lives of humanity. As we discussed previously, sin is not an animate object. It has no identity or existence without the willing behavior of rejection of God. Sin became the unavoidable barrier that disconnected us from God. Therefore, sin disconnected us from the source of life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us that the consequence or the wages of sin... Is death. God warned Adam and Eve of this way before they even disobeyed him in the first place and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
If you choose to go against what I'm telling you, the instruction was don't eat from this tree. It does not matter why, really. The point is, I'm just telling you, don't eat from this tree. I think sometimes we just get beside ourselves and we start questioning God. That's what I talk about. There's a difference between becoming inquisitive and then making allegations. When you start questioning God or questioning his motives as to why he's telling you to do what he's telling you to do. To ask for clarification is not a problem. Okay, God, you you want me to do this? I just want to make sure this is you telling me to do this. How do you want me to do this? That's inquisition. But why do you want me to do this, God? Why do you want me to talk to this person? Why do you want me to witness? Why do you want me to speak this? That you're making allegations or you're questioning his motives. We are not in a position to question why God tells us to do what he tells us to do. Amen. Oh, I love this thing. I love it. It's helping me. So I hope it's helping y'all too. Amen. So, but he told them, don't eat from the tree. Okay. And they made a decision. We already know that story, right? So the wages of sin is death. We know the rest. It says the gift of God is eternal life through who? And we're going to talk about that just a little bit, and we'll get into it uh, next week as well. In essence, by choosing to go against God, they chose the consequence and the cause of death. This contamination would cause the destruction of the world as we know it. So guess what? We are in the condition that we are in as a society, as a civilization, because of one choice or one decision that was made Way back when. Now, why are we still in sin? Because of the contamination that was introduced into the lives of humanity from day one. So they tell you, if you think biologically, they tell you, you know, that your DNA carries some genes, right? And some are dominant and some are recessive. And if you get the right combination of genes from two different parties... If they carry the same genes, there's a possibility that could become dominant in what you produce. But in essence, you're still contaminated with that gene. Does that make sense? I'm just talking biologically. So if you have, for my, for instance, I carry the sickle cell trait. So if my wife carries the sickle cell trait, there is a possibility that that could become dominant. And then one of my children actually has sickle cell Anemia. But as long as she doesn't carry a recessive trait herself, they may carry the trait, but it's less likely they're going to actually have the full-blown sickle cell anemia. That makes sense? So if you think of it spiritually, because we were contaminated with sin, even though you may not have committed the act, you're still contaminated. You still carry the trait of sin. Okay? Now, what makes it dominant in your life? Get this. You carry the trait, but what makes it dominant is not another individual in this sense. It's your decision to embrace. Now that becomes dominant. Didn't I tell y'all y'all could take science and 
I love it. And guess what? God just gave that to me. I didn't even study that. This is awesome. I love it. But that's how God is. So, sin becomes dominant in your life. We are contaminated already with sin because of that decision that was made from Adam and Eve. Every descendant of Adam and Eve would have to suffer the consequence of sin unless they were able to access the tree of life. Now, if God would have allowed Adam and Eve to access the tree of life back then, there's a possibility that they would never have experienced physical death, but their eternal condition would be degradative. That means it would be bad. Eternally bad. Now, let's look at the situation we're in today, right? We have hope, though, that we'll be changed and we're going to a place that's different from where we're at now. That's the hope. But if this is all we had to look forward to, it'd be a miserable place to be in. So thank God for his wisdom not allowing them to access the tree of life back then. So we'd have something to look forward to. Now, I'm trying to get through this because there's a lot that, I mean, the way it was just overwhelming for me thinking about all of this. I was like, wow. You know, sometimes I've just got to take a break. You know, because I'm like, man, woo, right? Nevertheless, we continue to be faced with our destiny as a result of disobedience, which is death. Based upon this information, it seems that all hope is lost. However, God had a plan. Notice I said had a plan. Before all this came about, God had a plan. There's no such thing as God failed. We failed him. God made everything. It was perfect. We failed to adhere to what God said. The perimeters. I mean, really, it was, like I said, one rule. We couldn't keep that. Perfect plan. Permissive. The plan is the result of our choices and our our decisions. So his perfect plan was for us to live in that state of innocency and perfection. We know that the first thing we talk about, that age or that era, human innocence, right? We talk about the categories of the Bible, the nine categories. The first one is human innocence, right? And that's the way God designed for us to live. Not contaminated with sin, but because of our own choice, our own decision. I'm just bringing this out so I can bring out my next point. As a result of our own doing, God activated his permissive will because of our choice to go against what he told us not to do. All right. Okay, I just said that. The Old Testament is rich with the history of God and his efforts to commune with humanity. Look throughout the Old Testament. Look how many times God is reaching out. Covenants that he made. Promises 
It's pretty much his covenants. Ordinances, the law, right? He's got his chosen people, provisions, all kinds of things that he did to reach out and to commune with his creation. I think it's awesome how patient he was. Even the God of justice in the Old Testament was still patient. Now, occasionally we had men and women who God was able to use throughout the Old Testament. But there was a challenge in order To abolish the sins of man, God needed a perfect sacrifice. Now listen, animals, God sufficed for the blood of animals to roll over the sins of man. And as long as they kept the ordinances, because blood had to be shed, right? Life is in the blood, right? That's what the scripture tells us. So blood was a matter of cleansing, okay? But the blood of animals were not sufficient. Well, first thing being, animals were not created in the image of God. Second of all, sin did not enter into this world because of the decision of an animal. It was introduced into the world because of the decision of man. So while we sacrificed many animals... Shedding the blood, it was not, and as pure as the animals were, because God chose, he was selective in what he, what he thought was presentable and what was not. But it wasn't enough to cover the sins of man. But every man that I sought after, even I, even if I had relationships with them, there were two things I saw. First of all, they were imperfect, they continued to make some mistakes. They weren't fully submissive. Look at Moses, and as powerful as he was, a man of God, he still disobeyed God and missed out on the promised land. He came short. Wow. But secondly, we could not, we could not ignore that regardless of whether they lived a life of sin, they were still contaminated with that gene. That sinful gene. So they still had the potential to sin without the power to resist sinning. So what did God do? Let's go to, I'm skipping in my notes here. Let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 5. And if somebody can keep a thumb in First Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. I said Galatians chapter five. Nope, 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 nope. You 
Give me one moment. I had I thought I had it written down. This particular chapter that we're about to go to, it's uh my mistake, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It's 21 verses in this particular uh, chapter. And I want to start with verse 1. <clears throat> Hopefully everybody will be able to follow. I'm sure everybody will. We've, we've heard these things mentioned before. Look at what it says. Uh, Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore being justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Is that word hope again, right? And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience, hope. We have something to look forward to, even in all the things that we go through. And hope make it not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength and do look at that right there, we were yet without strength, right? We were weak. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely a righteous man will one die. In other words, you can barely get a person to die for somebody that's righteous. He says, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. In other words, we, we didn't even deserve. I mean, we were far from it. He says, if you had a righteous man, you can, you can barely find somebody to die for somebody like that. Much less a good man. But we were in our sins. We were like actively engaged sinning against God willfully. And yet. It says what? Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by whose blood? It wasn't enough for the sacrifice of animals, but by his blood, look at this, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now I'm going to skip down here real quick to verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So remember what I just said, right? What I was talking about earlier. We are all contaminated because of the choice that was made way back when, right? So y'all see this in the word. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was the figure of him that was to come. In other words, even though they didn't do the same sin, guess what? Death still passed, the consequence still passed, and we still live in sin. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. 
For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And it goes on and you can continue to see how it references the fact that sin came into the world by one man. But then we find that it took one man to cover the sins of the world. But look at what God did. He said, I sought for a man. I was looking for someone to fill the gap. Time and time again, we prove to be weak and incapable of avoiding the acts of adultery, which is extramarital sex, fornication, which is premarital sex, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, which is to be lustful, impure, obscene. The word is also synonymous with pornography, witchcraft, hatred, variance. You ever seen somebody in, unstable, just inconsistent? Say one thing and in the same paragraph they can say something that contradicts what they just said. A double-minded man is what? Got to make up your mind, right? Emulations or what I like to say, competition. You got folks always in competition with one another, trying to up one another. And you got folks going broke. Trying to be like the next person. Intense anger, which is wrath. Disunity. Seditions. Not only do you go against the law, but you try and encourage other people to go against the law. Guess what? Jesus approached the Pharisees about that in the New Testament. He said, hey, y'all done missed it. Y'all going right here teaching the traditions of men. Y'all done twisted the law. You made it your own so people can listen to you. That's not what I intended it to be. I put y'all in position to help keep on people on the right track, and y'all get off track. And you're misleading everybody else. False doctrines. Which is heresies, envyings. Nobody's satisfied with what they got. Drunkenness, revelings, which is wild partying. Can I say something? That's why it's, it's, sometimes it's just good to say, no, I'm not going to do this. God's people ain't supposed to be trying to replace everything that the world does. It's the works of the flesh. You can't appease every situation. We're going to put this in place it is so that we can still have fun. That's basic. That's what comes. That's what the message I get. Because I'm converted, you know, I want people to feel good. So since they can't do this, I'm going to replace it with this. Some things there's no replacement for. Wild partying. So what you going to do for wild partying? They drinking alcohol. You gonna have uh, non-alcoholic beverages? What's that called? Near wine, near beer. We not in sin, but right at it. Knocking on the door. All right. 
<laughs> These are the works of the flesh. But constantly they were proving even some of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament have fallen privy to at least one of these. And that's not discrediting what they accomplished and what they did, but this was just because they were in the flesh. So we needed something more powerful, greater than ourselves to live according to what God expected us to live. God could not use us because we were still contaminated with sin. So it wouldn't be pure blood. So what did God do? He prepared himself a sacrifice. He prepared himself a body. And we know that to be, as Isaiah said, the Savior, the one true God, the Prince of Peace, right? Matthew says, Emmanuel, God with us. We know him to be the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That was the name that God chose. Now, I am not going to get too much into this because you can do a whole series. And Brother David Bernard and many others have written a lot of great books about the oneness of God and how they articulate between the different religions and monotheism and tritheism and, you know, all the theisms, isms and, you know, all that stuff that you can look up and. You're going to need a dictionary for some of those books. But they did an awesome job really trying to articulate and bring out the oneness of God and how Jesus' identity. One of the things I think that's really the question when we're talking about the oneness of God, most of these religions believe in one God. Aside from Hinduism and, you know, but most of them believe in one God. What they're baffled about, and even even the uh, is is uh, Islamic, they can't associate Jesus as being God. So there's a couple of approaches. Obviously, I, you know, one of the things I always think is, first of all, you can't put God in a box. God can reveal Himself, manifest Himself however He chooses to. God has no limitations. God manifested Himself. Burning bush and all these other manifestations. Okay, these were, these were divine uh, manifestations. But it wasn't that God was just, this body was lifeless and had no personality outside of the presence of God. Y'all with me? Fully man and fully God at the same time. Now here's why. Here's why I believe. One of the reasons is because if God was just to prepare a shell with no life outside of the full personality of God, then how would that be an atonement for man when it was never really flesh or sin to begin with? Because God can't be sin. Now. Remember, the scripture says, by, by one man, sin entered into the world. Watch this. In order for it to be a sacrifice, something has to submit. So the man, Jesus, had to submit to the full spirit of God that dwelled in him in order to become 
that perfect sacrifice for the sins of man. Now, I know that sounds complicated, but this is what Paul says. Great is the mystery of godliness. God prepared himself a vessel and then revealed his fullness through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ submitted to God. Oh, see, I don't, I know, I know some folks looking like, what? You've got a dual nature walking this earth. But Jesus accomplished everything that God wanted because Jesus Christ, the man, submitted to the full spirit. You can't negate the man because that's the sacrifice because you can't kill God. And God can't become sin. So Jesus became sin, which was the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of man by the spirit of God. Woo! Wow! That's powerful. Man, I'm glad you got this on tape because I don't think I can say this again like that. Twice. I told you this was overwhelming for me. I was like, woo! Oh, man, it's only 10 o'clock. All right. Praise the Lord. So you can't negate the man part or the fleshly part. The only difference is he was not, he had no sin in him. He was born divinely of the spirit. That was the only way he could be of pure blood. Born of a virgin. Woo! Paul says it. Great is the mystery of godliness. What's that scripture I asked somebody to hold? And 16, right? Right? God was what? He can do what he wants. What else? Uh Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels. People believed him, but they believed him because of the power that existed. And here's the other thing I want you, I want us to get. There, were, there was no real way to show us the perfect example outside of Jesus Christ. By Jesus being who he was, he showed us the example of what we could become if we believed in him. That's why he says, believe in me, right? He constantly asked them to believe in him. Why? Because it was, if you believe in this thing, God is going to fill you with that same power. That's why he told his disciples, he says, these things and greater things shall ye do. I'm leaving you physically. But I'm not leaving you comfortless. My father's going to send that same spirit that you see operating in me. He's going to send that spirit to operate in you. So when you lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover. Not because you're somebody great, but because of who is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the. So his spirit is going to operate in you. 
and bring about some results. You want to see people raised from the dead? Just start believing and God is going to start operating in you. You don't have to wait. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be dismayed because I'm leaving this earth. I have to leave here in order for you to get what God has for you. Because throughout old, you didn't have this. There was a certain things that you were able to do. There was only so far you could go because God couldn't commune with you like he's about to now. God wants to live inside of you. That's why it goes beyond just making a verbal proclamation. You can accept the fact that Jesus is the Savior and still reject him from living inside of you. But God says, I want to live inside of you. See, this is the hope, y'all. This is the hope. Before we just had an external relationship with God. People were so afraid of him in the Old Testament. His own people was like, man, look, Moses, you go talk to him. We're going to stand right here. But God says, I want to commune with y'all. I want to live inside of you. I want to empower you to live this thing that I'm telling you to live. I want to redeem your condition. I want to get rid of that contamination. So this is where we start talking about the plan of salvation. Because by Jesus, God himself coming down here to prove to man, stop listening to the enemy. You can do this. And here's how you're going to do it. Now we have access to the tree of life. The tree of life being Jesus Christ. Everybody knows that famous scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him. Actually, the scripture says in him. That's you partaking. When you believe you are partaking, you, you're actively engaging. You're not just well, at a distance. I, I recognize it. No, you're actively engaging Jesus. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count as slackness, but long suffering to us, but not willing that any man. It was never God's desire for us to be destroyed. This is why I brought out the point I brought out before. We keep blaming God. We put God on trial, but it wasn't God's fault that we messed up. We messed it up ourselves. And you know what's crazy? We still doing it. How many times you offering God, you offering Jesus to folks and people not choosing the tree of life, they still choosing death. Because the wages of sin is. But it doesn't matter how many, how many times you tell folks, some people are still listening to the enemy. They think they can still get more and outsmart God. Listen, I think I mentioned this last week. But every time you choose sin, you are literally choosing to disconnect yourself from the source of life, which means you are choosing death. Now, no one really wants to look at it that way, but that's what you're doing. I'm choosing to commit spiritual suicide.
But God says, that's not my desire. I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to die. And since I couldn't reach you the way I was, I wanted to reach you before, I'm going to provide a different way. Now, all you have to do is just believe. Look at what he did. It's so beautiful because even in him preparing that way, he still left it up to us. He never, never took away our ability to choose. Because you can't have a true relationship without a mutual agreement. God wants to engage us. But it's us that have to want to engage him. So the first thing he says, first thing he requires is to repent. Now the scripture, the scripture tells us, if my people, well first of all, believe Joshua says, and if it seemed evil unto you, as he was talking to the Israelites, he says, if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve. So the first thing is this. Now, we have church. We have the building. And that's great. You know, I always tell people, hey, you, you come in the house of God, you're in the, in, the, in the right atmosphere. But it does no good. You're not doing God a favor by being here and not choosing him. He says, make a choice. A double-minded man is unstable, right? Man cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve two gods. You got to choose one. Who's your God? Who's your God? Some folks are chasing after. I, I believe that the, the topic, right, the whole series is called putting life back into perspective. Career doesn't come before God. Before your career was there, God was there. You're working the job that you're working because God provided it for you. To reject God is to reject his provisions. Some folks wonder why they get fired, why they get laid off, why they lose what they have. Some of that may be self-inflicted because I rejected who provided for me in the first place. Relationships. What God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Now I understand some relationships God didn't put together. That's a whole different story. But if God's hand was on it, nothing should come between. But when you reject God, you're rejecting his provisions. Y'all all right? He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. First thing we got to do is get rid of this fleshly pride. You ever talk to someone about trying to, you know, come to church and the first one of the first things they'll tell you is I'm a good person. They'll try to convince you of how good of a person they are. And one of the things they'll use to say, well, you know, I may not be like, you know, I may not be religious. I ain't on that level as some people. But I'm doing good. I'm a good person. Remember what I told you? There are some people who are doing good things, doing good deeds, and that's great. But there's a difference between, I had this, I had this thing, I was trying to use it and relate it to math, but you write out goodliness, 
and underneath it write out godliness. And when you minus godliness from goodliness, what are you left with? Your goodness without godliness, godliness or godliness is nothing. You can't get into heaven just by being a good person. Y'all remember that one that was in there that came up to Jesus like, hey, good master, you know, what do I need to do to, to get to heaven? What do I need to do to make it in the kingdom of heaven? And he says, oh, man, you know, Jesus says, okay, well, this is all you got to do. Just, you know, follow the commandments and, and, you know, follow the law. And he said, oh, man, you know what? These things have I kept from my youth. In other words, I'm good to go. I got a short ticket. I'm getting in. Because I'm a good person. I followed the ordinances. I followed the traditions. I'm good. Check the block. I went to church. On this Sunday, I'm good. I gave money to the poor. I fed the hungry. I clothed the naked, so I'm good. Check the block. I was talking to one of my children. He was talking about change and how you can convince somebody that you change. I said, well, first of all, I said, you got to stop trying to force or change the effect and change the cause. I said, you're you're addressing the effect. You're addressing the result. Because by doing this or behaving this way, if I alter this, it'll convince them that I'm good to go. I said, the problem with that is there's only a temporary fix because you have not changed the cause. So what are you being influenced by? What's causing you to behave the way that you're behaving? You got to change that first. I said, so look at your life. Evaluate yourself. What's influencing your life more? You go to school. You got books that they tell you to read. You, You play games. You receive information from doing all these other things. But how much time do you spend pursuing after God? So put it on the scale. The scale won't lie to you. Which one weighs more? Whichever one weighs more, that's what's influencing your life more. That's what's causing you to behave the way that you're behaving. So you got to change the cause in order to get the right effect. Amen? I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to continue next week and we're going to talk about continue with repentance. Uh, Just the plan of salvation. Just put in a nutshell repentance. We're going to talk about baptism in Jesus name. Receiving the Holy Ghost. And really going um, engaging in the ministry of God. God bless you. Let's take our break and let's be prepared for a dynamic service in Jesus name.